Welcome to Deep Dive Coaching for Creatives with me, Coach Cammie. In each episode, I'll be covering the basics of deep inner work, the hardest and most important work you can possibly do for yourself. I have been where you are, stuck with self-limiting beliefs and an inner critic on overdrive and no idea how to get past them. I've done this work on myself, for myself. I know how hard it is, but I want to make it easier for you and help you become your best self. You deserve it. My guest for this episode is Corey Leger. She is a living example of a successful voiceover artist, coach, entrepreneur, and mother. With a few solid guidelines in place, she's doing it all simultaneously. That's what we'll be chatting about today, staying sane while doing it all. I think Corey is pretty fearless. She reached out to me in a cold email asking to be a guest on my podcast. She even included a few possible in-depth topics. As my pal Greg Larkin would say, that took quite a bit of ovarian fortitude. And the more I read, the more I liked what Corey is all about. Have a listen, and I think you'll understand why I said yes to Corey's request. Ready to dive deep? I want to just say how impressed I am with your chutzpah in saying, hey, I need to be a guest on your podcast. Oh, thank you. Being female and being that brave and courageous, I got to applaud you for that. Thank you so much. My first thought was, who is this girl? (laughs) So kudos to you for being brave and reaching out and being you. Thank you. Yeah, I figured, you know, the older that I get, the more I'm like, what's the harm? And, you know, it's like as I was growing up and when I was younger, I was always so worried about doing the wrong thing or like people perceiving me as as too pushy or too bossy or whatever. And the older I get, I'm like, or I can just take risks. And what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Someone says no. That's literally the worst that can happen. Yeah. (laughs) And and the best that can happen is that you get to own who you are. Exactly. You step more into your skin. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I love the idea of um, talking about you being a creative and a new mom yeah. and occupying that space. I I am not a new mom. My my youngest just turned 22 on Thursday, last Thursday. Happy birthday. Yes. Happy birthday to him. So <laughs> it's been a while and I took years off to do that. So tell me what your experience has been like. What what have you learned the hard way from being a creative and a new mom simultaneously? Yeah, um, I definitely have found that it's it's challenging to find the time for yourself and for your creativity as a new mom. And you, I really had to own it, own my creativity and own the fact that this is important to me and that it didn't make me like a bad mom for wanting time for my creativity And that's so hard to accept and come to terms with and to explain to people who aren't creative or who aren't moms and and how those two things can go hand in hand and work magically. But you have to do it intentionally. Otherwise, no one's going to give it to you. No one's going to give you the time to be creative and, you know, not step away from motherhood. I don't think you can ever step no. away, <laughs> but take ownership of also what you need. And one thing I realized is that, and this has helped me kind of come into accepting that both are important, is that 
by allowing myself the space to follow my passions, I'm showing my son that his passions are important too and how to do that. And I'm modeling that behavior for him so that he can see the potential in his future too. Mm -hmm. Do you think you're also being a role model for other creative women who are thinking about, well, I want to be a mom, but I also want to start this creative endeavor. I can't do both, but maybe I can. I really hope that I am because I always struggled with that. I always knew I wanted to be a mom. Like, I swear from three years old when my brother was born, I'm the oldest. My brother was born. I like had my baby doll and was changing diapers and had that weird baby doll that like actually pooped. (laughs) And I loved it. I did. I loved that doll. And I'm sure it grossed my parents out. And I can't imagine now as a parent, like the cleaning process of that doll. (laughs) But I always knew I wanted to be a mom. But I also always knew I wanted to be an actor. Like also from a very young age, I was performing. I was writing and directing my own content, making my dad film me and my brother, like doing home videos as brother and sister movies. That's what we called it. Super creative right there. Um, (laughs) But it was These two things have always been a huge part of my life. Even before I was a mom, I was my youngest sibling. My sister is 13 years younger than me. So she'll she'll tell you, she's like, stop being my mom. You're not my mom. I'm like, I know I'm not your mom, but I'm your big sister and you have to deal with it. (laughs) She's she's 17 now. She would not like me saying this. Oh, well, Um, I, I just always knew that I wanted to be a mom, which is something that I I didn't see a ton of in my community of artists. I saw people become parents and quit or become moms and turn their creativity into, you know, an occasional hobby. And I'm like, or I saw them become parents and still have thriving, successful, creative lives, but not model the type of parent that I wanted to be. And no judgment on that. Everybody has a different style of parenting and that's totally fine. But I knew what kind of parent I wanted to be. I wanted to be the type of mom that could go to the play during the day, like not have a job that prevented me from being able to do that. Um, that's what my mom was able to do because she was an entrepreneur, is an entrepreneur. Um, and so I, I always had trouble visualizing those two lives that I wanted for myself existing simultaneously in harmony with each other what was the turning point then having a baby (laughs) it really was I um I think it's still a work in process and I'm still learning but what I realized for myself was I didn't need to want exactly what everybody else tells me I should want in my creative journey I was allowed to have my own desires and define what my goals are for myself and live in that, like the honesty of that, recognize that just because somebody tells you that in order to be, for me, a successful actor, you need to have achieved this milestone. Well, maybe I don't want to reach that milestone. Maybe my milestone is different and my life looks different. And that doesn't mean I'm not successful. It doesn't mean I'm not dedicated as an artist. It just means that I'm I'm clear and I have a different path. And it's so funny because in creativity, there is no clear path. 
right? It's not like you go to school and then you get this degree and then you get this internship and then you, you know, you climb the ladder and then you achieve success. Like that doesn't happen. No. And yet for some reason, we still have this idea that we, we put in front of creatives that like, okay, there's no clear line to get to success, but this is still the benchmark of success. And this is the only benchmark of success. It's like, or not, like, or Or I can define what success is for me and be okay with that. And once I was able to visualize for myself, not only what success looked like from my creative life, but look at my life as a whole, because I'm a, I'm one person. I can't have my creative life over here and my mom life over here and have them be their own two separate little bubbles. Like I, they, they have to work together. They have to find harmony with each other. Otherwise it's never gonna, it's never gonna work. Mm-hmm. And once I was able to define, like, I literally have my dream life written up on a piece of paper no. that I read every morning. Oh, that's awesome. And every morning I'm like, these are, you know, these are the things that I'm already living of my dream life. And then these are the things that I'm working towards and all of it works together. I don't look Beautiful. at my, you know, my career goals separate from my personal goals, spiritual goals, creative goals. They're all, they're all me. Yes. I love the fact that you use the word harmony. So many people get stuck on the idea of a work-life balance. And to me, balance says everything needs to be in stasis. Everything needs to be equal and nothing can change once you do achieve that balance. It's so much more important that we recognize that there are days when your kid's going to be sick and that takes center stage. And there are days when you have a work deadline and that takes center stage. And there are days where you need some self-time and that takes center stage. And what you're really, really looking for is that harmony, that ability, that resiliency to recognize, all right, this takes center stage now. And then we're going to go back to something that feels a little bit more sustainable. Once you get something else in the center of your universe, whether that's, you know, a sick kid or a tight deadline or whatever, that's not you, you got to know that that's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. That self-care, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, or creative. And those are the six pieces. Mm -hmm. You, those have to be full. Your well has to be full or, or whatever you're doing isn't sustainable. Um, And it's, and to put work first indefinitely, that's not good for anybody to put your kids first indefinitely is not good for your kids. It's not good for you. You're not setting a good precedent, all of that. So I, I love the fact that you used harmony. Beautiful. So what was a time Describe for me a time when, when things didn't feel harmonious for you, when you were struggling and thinking, how can I possibly do this? What, what was that like? Yeah. You know, when, when my son was first born for Anyone who has or hasn't had kids, I'll paint a picture. Um, It's a lot. (laughs) Like that adjustment from not being a mom to suddenly you have this tiny little seven pound, 15 ounce creature who is completely dependent upon you while you're in recovery. You know, I, I didn't have the easiest labor ever. I was definitely recovering. I mean, does anybody have an easy labor, especially with their first, like, and you know, I'm recovering, my body's recovering, my mentally, emotionally, the hormones are all over the place. And yet I still have this, this tiny little person 
that I need to care for. And with all of those things and all of the kind of exhaustion and chaos that comes with new parenthood and and not sleeping, I definitely lost the creative fulfillment in my life. I, I wasn't, so I journal every morning. I do three pages of morning pages. From, yes. Thank you, Julia Cameron. Thank you, Julia Wife. Cameron. Yep. <laughs> yes. I have been, had that practice off and on, more on than off for like six years now. And I lost it when he was born. And it's so, and I, I knew that that was something I was worried about losing too, because I had had a conversation with my husband before my son was born. Um, and I was like, okay, we both are going to need some me time. So what's like the one thing that you want to be able to prioritize? And then this is the one thing that I want to be able to prioritize and let's help each other find 20 minutes a day to just like have our thing. But for whatever reason, I couldn't value that for myself at the beginning of my motherhood journey. I, When I did do it, it felt like a chore. And when I didn't do it, I felt like, oh, well, I'm not doing it. So I, I should never do it again. Like I've already lost <laughs> it. It's like, it's not worth it. And it doesn't make me feel better when I do do it right now. And I think it wasn't making me feel better because I was doing it so inconsistently that every time I picked it up, I felt guilt for the fact that I hadn't picked it up yesterday. Mm. And so I, I lost that like fulfillment that it brought me. It sounds like you were kind of beating yourself up for not doing it regularly. Yeah, I definitely was a hundred percent. And I have found over and over again throughout my life, whether it was in college when I was taking no creative classes um, for my first semester or when I moved to New York and I was trying to just make ends meet and I hadn't found my creative community there yet. And then becoming a new mom during a pandemic where your community is not really there. Um, You know, they're there as much as they can be, but we were at the height of COVID. Like we couldn't see anybody. Um, We were lucky to be able to see my parents, like my mom. Um, And that was still risky. Like the pediatrician was like, "Mm, I don't know, because it was before vaccines and everything. So it was, yeah. But I've found time and time again, when I lose that connection to the creative fulfillment in my life, I tell myself I'm good, but I'm not. Like, I'm mm. like, it's fine. Like, you're doing great. You you can handle this, but I'm so sad. And it's it's amazing to me that the second I put a little bit back into that corner of my life and I give a little bit of my energy and my time to that, how much of a difference it makes for me as a person. What tips the scale for you when you're in those places where you're you're feeling, oh, this is fine. And, and beware the word fine, because if you say, oh, it's fine, it's probably not fine. Never fine. What, what is the tipping point that, that makes you realize, oh, wait, I'm not fine. I get snippy with my husband, to be completely honest. <laughs> like if we're having like tension in our relationship or, or really tension with anyone, even before I was married, friends or anything like that, it's, I'm an extrovert. So when I see that my relationships with other people are getting snippy and and I can't even identify why it is or like someone's irritating me and I'm like, I don't I don't even know why I'm irritated, but I'm irritated right now. That's 
that's a huge red flag to me to be like, this is not about this. You are definitely like feeling the emotions of a lack somewhere else. And you're putting those, that frustration of lack onto someone else. Cause that's easier to deal with. That's easier to be like, Oh, I'm just mad because like you put the dishes away wrong. It's like, no, you're not. You don't care. <laughs> it leaks out into other areas of your life un- yeah. unintentionally. Right. Great. How, how do you think you came to be um, possessed of that kind of insight for yourself? Learning the learning process. I, um, I think the first time I really was able to, tangibly identify it for myself was in college. Um, I was a biology major. Wait, what? I know. (laughs) And I studied theater and education. Um, I was kind of all over the place. It was really fun. I'm, I'm multi-passionate, not just in like the arts, but I find science fascinating. Mm. Genetics is like in another life, I would have become a genetic counselor. I very mm. seriously considered it as a career. Um, in another anyway, life, so, in another life, I would have been a, a quantum physicist. So I understand. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I find it so fascinating. And let's be honest: there's creativity in science, a hundred percent. I mean, that's how discoveries are made, um, and that's what I always like latched onto. But anyway. Um, So because I was a biology major, there were a lot of prerequisites that I had to start like from my first semester, my freshman year. And my um, chemistry class conflicted with the prerequisite theater class. That was a prereq for all of the other theater classes. So I didn't take it. And therefore, I didn't take a theater class. And I did the play like I, I auditioned and did a play. But my play was the first play of the season. So by like mid-October, I was done for the semester with my creative outlets. And I was miserable. I was like, I was doing really well in school. And so I was like, see, I'm good. I'm good. But I didn't find my community. I had some, I like, I had friends, but they were acquaintances, you know, it wasn't nobody close. And I was literally applying to transfer because I thought it was the school. I thought I didn't like the school I was at. Oh, how yeah. interesting. And then flash forward to second semester, someone told me, um, Corey, they don't really care about the prerequisite. Just ask the teacher and they'll probably let you in. Like, it's okay. You just have to do it eventually, but they don't really care. And I was like, oh, okay. So unbeknownst to me, I went from having no theater classes to accidentally signing up for like the senior theater class, like one of the most advanced classes in the theater program. (laughs) I was the only freshman in that class. I think there was one sophomore and then everybody else was juniors and seniors. (laughs) I loved it. I was terrified, like completely terrified. I don't think I even spoke for like the first two weeks of class. Um, And then one day I had a little too much coffee because I was not a coffee drinker at the time. And I had like, when I say a little too much, I mean, like maybe a quarter of a cup in my hot chocolate, (laughs) but I was wired. And we did a classic like circle check in at the beginning of class. And I was just like, and my teacher stared at me and I was like, what? And she's like, oh, I just, I don't think I've ever heard you talk this much combined. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh. How funny. (laughs) But 
But suddenly I loved my school. I And I loved not only the theater classes I was doing, but all of the other classes I was doing too. Like even my chemistry classes that had nothing to do with performance, sitting in a you know giant lecture hall with 300 other people, adding that back into my life changed my entire college experience. Hmm. And that was the first time I was able to kind of put my finger on it and be like, this is important to me. And not just important in the sense that I need to have it a couple times a year. I need to always have it. Yeah. It always needs to be there. So I would invite the listeners right now, if there's something, if you've noticed somewhere in your life that you are unhappy or something that is an irritant, ask yourself if a creative outlet would alter the way you feel about anything, even just doing the creative outlet, whether it's painting, drawing, singing, dancing, you know, theater, whatever. If doing that might, if the idea of doing that sounds amazing, try it and see what happens with the rest of the outlook, the rest of your outlook you have in your life. Yeah. I love that idea. I know some people who are miserable in, in their jobs right now. And I'm wondering if they had a creative outlet, if they would feel different. Hmm. Hmm. It's an experiment. Yes. Oh, please keep me posted. <laughs> yeah. There's well, and I like to think of everything as an experiment. Now, my mentor, uh, everything is an experiment, and it and it shuts up that inner critic that says this has to be perfect. This has to be right. Who are you thinking? Who are you serving? What are they going to think? What are people are going to just laugh and point? <laughs> but if you view it as an experiment, your inner critic goes, oh. Okay, whatever. And you can almost almost feel your inner critic cross cross their arms and look at you and go, <laughs> okay, whatever, and disengage. And it allows curiosity. Curiosity is like this beautiful emotion that allows you to access your your inner child, your inner creativity, your your inner most creative, powerful, amazing, authentic self where you can start asking questions like, how might I, or what if, and really let curiosity lead you towards the things that are fulfilling to you. But if you are so busy focusing on what's miserable, focusing on what isn't working, it's a, it's a classic scarcity mindset. You're focusing on everything you don't have. If you turn that around a little bit and think, what is it that I do have or what is it that I'm really curious about? Like me in quantum physics, I, I will be a lifelong student of quantum physics because I, well, one, because I know so little, two, because there's so much to know, <laughs> three, because there's so much changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's fascinating. It just, it cooks my noodle a little bit. And I love that. Yeah. I had a, a teacher in um, college who said, if I teach you nothing else during the semester, I want to teach you how to ask questions. And that always resonated with me. That's yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so what kinds of questions do you ask? How do you approach asking questions of yourself and others? Ooh, heavy question. You know, I, I, I'm going to steal what you just said. It, it's about curiosity and Especially nowadays, I think sometimes it's really easy to make judgments 
on things before you've allowed yourself to have curiosity around something, around points of view that differ from yours or, um, you know, pieces of work that you or someone else has immediately judged as like amateur or or brilliant. And then it feels like, it's oh, it's brilliant. It's unattainable. I could never do that. Versus like, I love watching my husband and I are both film people and we love watching films from like that have had zero recognition that we just randomly find on Amazon Prime all the way up to the Oscar nominations, which we're watching right now. And you learn so much from both. And if you just give yourself the experience to like actually take it all in before the judgment and before the analysis and just experience it's really cool. And it sparks a lot of very interesting conversations too. Mm -hmm. You approach it with curiosity instead of judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, there's so many aspects of our lives that would benefit from that viewpoint. <laughs> and honestly, I have to give my son some credit for reminding me of this too, because that's what kids do. Everything is, it's all curiosity all the time. And everything is fascinating to him like the most what I would have originally deemed mundane things like an egg carton he literally got an egg carton for Christmas from my grandmother she's just thought it was hysterical and he played with that thing nonstop for days days before he broke it and then we had to give him a new one and you know <laughs> we're just the cycle of egg cartons in our house now Watching him like explore the world and experience the world has opened my eyes back up to be like, try to see the world the way he does mm -hmm. with all of the like love and wonder. just wonder. Exactly. Awe and wonder. Yeah. 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 There's the, the time from when a baby's born until they're about three months old. They're building millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of millions of neural cells every day. And that kind of sets the stage for their worldview from then on. And I, I read a book recently that said a child who's got a loving, supportive first three months of life. And then the, the next 12 years are trauma filled and violent and horrible is better off than a baby that starts in trauma and violence and, and uh, you know, not a nurturing environment. And the rest of the 12 years is amazing mm. because we're building so many neural cells. And in that state of awe and wonder, um, we are curious. We want to know why, you know, I, I touch this and it moves. Why I touch this and it doesn't move. Why? And, and that state of wonder is so good for allowing my, and that's one of my favorite words is allowing mm. when you, when you have a question of yourself, or if you notice something like, why am I getting snippy with my husband? Why am I getting snippy with my wife? And not immediately gently jumping to judgment or jumping to a conclusion, but sitting, Hmm, why is that? Mm. And really slowing down and going within and poking around in your gut, poking around in your heart, poking around in your brain and really listening and allowing the answer to come. Mm -hmm. So often we're so busy solving problems. Our, our 
entire culture is wrapped around problem solving. And so many of us in our jobs are rewarded for finding better ways to do things, finding finding things that need fixing, finding problems that need solved, finding uh, ways to save money, ways to save time. But if we are constantly on the lookout for things that aren't working, we're missing the things that are and slowing down and, and approaching that with awe and wonder and curiosity is a great state of mind to be in. It, it also promotes happiness. And we know by all of the, um, the studies done in positive psychology that happy people are more successful over the course of their careers. They make more money. They're healthier. They live up to 10 years longer. I mean, the list goes on and on. I'm literally reading The Happiness Advantage right now. That's what I'm quoting. So good. good. Yep, yep. It is a fantastic book. Yeah. And uh, if you don't have time, watch his TED Talk. Just listen quick because he talks really fast. Sean Acor is the author. It's like Anchor without the N. Um, fascinating book. He also wrote Big Potential, which is great for team building and the the positive psychology spin on building a team and and how you can get the most out of your team using studies that have been done, hundreds of studies. Love it. <laughs> My little science brain is like, oh, yeah. You got me. Like I said, <laughs> same here. <laughs> so what advice would you give to people who really, really want to have the kind of life that you have, that they want to be creative, but they also want to embrace parenthood? Um, I mean, at its most basic, just know that you can do both. And it's, you don't have to have it all figured out before you get into it. You're, you're going to figure it out as you go. But I know that for me, it was very important to have a community around me that Uh understood the importance of creativity to me as a person. And didn't just like acknowledge it as like, Oh yeah, I hear you. I know it's important, whatever, but genuinely understood like to my core, how important that was for me. Having those conversations with the people that were the closest to me and were going to be able to support me in that journey of both motherhood and creativity knowing that I had a team behind me made all the difference and had that support so that even when I felt like I was floundering or struggling, there was someone there to remind me like, Hey, how about you do this thing? Or like, you haven't taken an acting class in a while. Why don't you sign up for one? And that gentle encouragement made all the difference. Mm. Describe to me who is in your community. My husband is definitely one of my, it's my biggest supporter. He's also creative. He works in kind of the post-production world of um, filmmaking. He's a video editor. We also make films together. Um, so having that teamwork within our home. Yeah, that's a big and, one. And, and the mutual support because it was also important for him. And I knew that. So the give and take of like, this is your moment you do your moment and I will cover everything else. And then on the flip side, we, we exchange and have the support for each other. And then beyond that, I mean, I have friends that are not parents, but that 
have interest in being parents. And I felt like I could, I could be a role model to them and to show them that this is possible. And in, in turn, I think they wanted to see me be successful as a creative and a mom because it, it showed them that it was possible for them as well. So having that community there as well. And then I'm going to be honest, the artist way is what snapped me back into it. I was feeling that frustration and disconnect and I took a class here or there, but it was only like a week or two long. And then I was like, I need a, I need a reboot. I need to kind of re jumpstart this part of my life. And I did the artist way and I just reached out on like social media and was like, Hey, if anybody wants to do it with me, cause for me, like group accountability is oh, a yeah. really good motivator for me. Otherwise I probably would have fallen off at like week three. I ended up with like 35 people who wanted to do it with me. Wow. Talk about accountability. Yeah. So that was huge accountability. And we finished. I mean, not everybody finished, but I finished and a, a significant portion of those people also finished. And I felt, I mean, from literally week two, I was like, I feel so much better, like so much better. And it helped me identify things in my life, too, that were not nurturing the life that I wanted. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And what um, were those things that that got in your way? What were those roadblocks? I got scared during the pandemic, as a lot of creatives did, watching all of my jobs go away. And I was pregnant and we moved. And I was like, it was a lot of change. <laughs> no stress um, there. Yikes. Mm-hmm. And I had a job drop in my lap. Um, I was working as a standardized patient and they offered me a managerial role. And I was like, it was still flexible. So in my mind, it was perfect. It was perfect on paper because it combined the three things that I am passionate about, biology, education, and performance, theater, um, acting really. And so on paper, it was perfect. It was flexible. I made my own hours. They, you know, I, I, for the first time ever in my adult life, did I have benefits supplied by a job? I had always been freelance up until that point. I was like, this is great. It wasn't, it was not a good environment for me. I didn't like feeling beholden to somebody else. There was a lot of inner turmoil with the company. Um, a lot of misrepresentation. I don't like for the respect of the company, I don't want to get in too detail of the nitty gritty, mm-hmm. but it, um, I didn't feel respected. And I felt like all of my time and energy was going towards this job or towards being a mom. And I had no space for me anymore. And I can't remember, I think it's week two or week three, I'm blanking right now of the artist where, where she talks about rage and oh, how rage yes. is like, it's a guide for you. It's a perfect guide. It's like signposts with arrows. Right. Well, that signpost with arrows was like fluorescent lighting up. Hey, <laughs> this job's not working anymore. <laughs> like, like could not have been more clear. And I read, I read that chapter and I was like, oh, I'm going to quit my job, aren't I? <laughs> And I did. And I have never looked back. It was really scary because my husband was also is also freelance. So we lost our I mean, I want to say first, everyone talks about losing benefits. You can buy benefits. They just cost more. Oh, yeah. But and it's yes, it's a huge like 
I, I think that there's a lot we could talk about around that. But, <laughs> but it was really important to me to realize like money is a tool and I'm using this tool of money to get the benefits that my family needs and buy and, and support my own happiness. The benefits shouldn't be the reason that I'm staying miserable. And I have not looked back and we have benefits. We pay an arm and a leg for them, but we have them and we are both so much happier. And we've actually had the best financial months that we've ever had since we both went freelance. And it was, it's just crazy to me that for so long, those golden handcuffs of like having benefits is like the thing that everybody points to is, oh, I can't, I can't do the thing that I want to do because I need this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're again, they're focusing on what they don't have mm-hmm. instead of focusing on what they do have. Yeah. Awesome. I'm so glad you, you reached that point and had those neon guideposts for <laughs> to show the way. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest uh, roadblock that you got over? Then, like when I quit, I mean, I literally feel like I lost who I was for a little while. And in quitting that job, I stopped trying to be who everyone told me I should be. And I reconnected with who I knew that I am. I had so many people tell me, this is the perfect job for you. Every, like, this is exactly who you are. Like, it's, it's all of the things you're passionate about and you're so good at it. But I wasn't happy. And that should be the most important part. Mm-hmm. And when I quit the job and immediately I felt this like breath of fresh air, just like enter my body. I was like, okay, we can figure the rest out, but I've taken care of that most important piece. I've gotten rid of that, that source of negativity in my life that everybody else was telling me was a positive that's amazing. That takes a lot of introspection and, and knowing yourself. I imagine if you were oblivious to what was going on inside, you'd say, well, I'm stuck. I have to, I have to stay. I think if I had not had parents who modeled entrepreneurship and a family that was supportive, a family that was supportive of those decisions, it would have been really hard to recognize that. Amazing. And is there room in your life now to connect with other people who are interested in starting a family and a business at the same time? Yeah, I actually am part of a community of mom entrepreneurs and it's been a game changer. I, when I quit this job, it was the thing I turned to my husband and I was like, I need a community. That's the thing I'm missing right now. I don't have people around me that are trying to do something similar to me and can understand the struggles of having an infant at the time and, and starting a business. And the next day on Facebook, it was like the group popped up and was like, here it is. It was like, okay, you, you listen to me. That's a little creepy, but also this is really good. (laughs) When the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? (laughs) Exactly. Awesome. And I hope that I can be that for other creative, either people who are already mothers or or fathers or parents um, or those who want to be in the future. I, I sought out those role models before I was a mom because I knew that it was something that I wanted in my life. And I 
I wanted somebody to show me that it was possible. And I, you know, there were some, but none that lived the life that I was hoping to build for myself, at least none that I found quickly and easily. Um, And so I hope that I can be that for other people. Awesome. That's beautiful. I love the idea that you're showing up in service to others. (sighs) And how might listeners connect with you? Sure. I'm mostly on Instagram from a social media perspective. So I'm at creating with Corey on Instagram. And then you can also email me. I'm Corey at CoreyLeger.com. All right. So Corey is spelled C-O-R-R-I-E Leger, L-E-G-G-E. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I love your energy. I love your spirit. I love your curiosity. (laughs) And I hope that listeners can be inspired by your story as well. Thank you for having me. For more good juju, visit cami.coach, C-A-M-I dot coach. 